Episode 150, Kings of the Podcast. We are back. Dennis Bernstein, this is one of those milestone episodes, number 150. Yes, it's the, I don't know, semi-centennial, whatever they call it. I forget what they call it. I remember Pennsylvania was 150 years old. I can't remember what it said in the license plate. But yes, a milestone. We walked a very long path, John, and we're here at 150 now. It's been one of those weekends where I've been reminiscing a lot, though, actually, Dennis. Uh, over the weekend, I was thinking back. Uh, earlier today, I was tweeting about the first time when I went to Madison Square Garden back in 1996. So I was thinking about that. That was a crazy game. You had Robitaille, Gretzky, and Messier all playing for the Rangers. Luke had a pair of goals that night. They were taking on a Kings team that had Blake and, well, an interesting cast of characters, including Kings legend Neil Broughton. Uh, he of all of 18 games, I believe, with the LA Kings. Not exactly known for being a, a member of the Kings, although he had a, a long career uh, playing hockey. Uh, I was also thinking about some other things uh, as well. I was thinking about uh, Gretzky today. We're recording this show on Sunday. And uh, back in, uh, what was it, 1994, uh, he was traded. No, I think it was a year after that, maybe. But anyway, he was traded. He played his last game for the LA Kings, Dennis. Uh Last game came in Winnipeg. And so uh, I was thinking about the anniversary of that. Mm -hmm. Tweeted that out today as well. The King Storian, if you're not following him on Twitter, he puts out some great stuff talking about LA Kings history. Yep. Wayne Gretzky played that final game in Winnipeg. And then uh, we all flew back to LA and the press conference took place at a hotel a couple blocks from LAX and a surreal time back then. Uh, hopefully the Kings don't have to go through something like that again. Uh, we've, we've saw... Last year, Dustin Brown uh, retired. We see perhaps Jonathan Quick uh, winding up his time with the Los Angeles Kings. And in the coming years, as hard as it is to believe, DB, <laughs> I wish people could see your face right now. Uh, you almost don't want to speak it into existence. But Drew Doughty and Andre Kopitar, although Doughty will probably play till he's 50. Yeah. So Kopitar probably would be third on that list That's to true. retire. And then Drew at some point. You and I might retire before Drew Doughty retires, Dennis. <laughs> Yeah, probably. I will. I think I will retire before Drew Doughty, for sure. Well, you've already retired twice, Dennis. So how many more retirements do you have in you? You're 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 starting to become yeah. like a pro wrestler. You retire and then you just keep coming back. Yeah. Well, Rocky Five, we could do it that way too. So I just keep coming back. So just uh, <laughs> okay. Just when I think I'm out, you drag me back in, John. It's a line from my Godfather Three. Exactly. There you go. Uh, well, look, 150 episodes in, I'm not sure which one of those episodes was our best, but I will tell you that the Dean Lombardi episode, which was episode 149, 
damn well might be the best episode that we've ever done. Uh, Dean was incredible. And speaking of incredible, before we get into the episode today and really drill into this LA Kings road trip, the upcoming trade deadline, just let's take a quick step back prior to the road trip. We haven't done an episode since the Dean episode and really haven't done an episode since the big night against the Penguins here in LA, Dustin Brown retirement night. As somebody who's followed this club and been around the team for over 30 years, I can tell you, Dennis, excluding any on-ice game and just thinking about other things the team has done, ceremonies and hockey fests and presentations and retirements and all that stuff, this to me was by far the best thing the LA Kings organization has ever done. It was class from beginning to end. and It was just unbelievable, Dennis. Yeah, they've set the bar extremely high. Uh, maybe can never really exceed this bar uh, with respect to the subsequent retirements of Kobe and Drew and Quick when the times come. So it was a long ceremony, but look, Dustin worked hard at it. He talked about looking at other retirement videos on YouTube and they really weren't that quality. He was reeling off a teleprompter and the combination of the uh, his number being raised to the rafters and having a statue, normally you don't have that. It's usually one or the other, John, and you've had both the nights, but it, it flowed. And, look, I know they've been working on this. They worked on Dustin, what, two days after they retired. Mark Galtieri said, like, it's time to, to talk about honoring you, and he pushed back. And then from October on, the staff there, and then we talked about it. They've been working on this for six months. You saw the fruits of the labors. It was just exquisitely done. It was a classy a ceremony. It was – I'm glad that you and I both were there to witness it. And it was the proper treatment for a guy who was an icon and a legend in King's history. Well, he's on the Mount Rushmore of the L.A. Kings. Uh, Enough said there. There's no question about it. He's one of the four pillars of the franchise. And, you know, for a guy who's not known for really being verbose and um, he was always there to answer questions, don't get me wrong, but he's always been sort of short and compact in his answers. And he's not a great storyteller like a a Willie Mitchell or or somebody who can give you the Mm -hmm. great quips like a a Drew Doughty. He was he was so phenomenal. Uh, in, in his speech. And so the research, the practice that he put into it, obviously, you know, paid off. It was just a wonderful story. You're trying to condense your whole career into 15 minutes, um, which may sound like a long right. time, but it's not. Sure. And he's going back and he's talking about, you know, his earliest days and he's thanking his parents and he's talking about his agent having to convince his mom to let him go play in the Ontario Hockey League. And Dustin tells the story about not even knowing what the OHL was, which is, you know, of course, funny. Um, just so many wonderful stories. And uh, Matt Green, I mean, Matt Green almost stole the show, okay, because his stories yep, <laughs> were incredible. Right. Uh, the magic tricks, I mean, how do we see? Here's the bummer. Now we get no follow up because we can't ask Greener more about it. He doesn't want to come on the show. Dustin, you know, he's, right. he's a semi recluse. He doesn't want to come on the show. So, he, you know, he'd rather go with Xbox. Maybe we need to start no. playing Xbox, Dennis, and doing the interviews through our headsets while we're playing Fortnite or. <laughs> I don't know what he plays. Uh, what is it? Game of Call of Duty <laughs> or something? Duty. I don't know. He's a Call, Call of Duty, Duty guy. There you go. He's so a Call of Duty I, guy. Yeah. I've never played that once, but I might have to. Just to, I want to ask him about these card tricks. But anyway, Dennis, the point was, thank you to the LA Kings for paying the man proper class. Uh, it just a, a yeah. wonderful evening. I, I will never stop saying what a great time it was. It was also great to see everybody, what they did to work with other uh, NHL organizations to get Jake Muzzin there. To get hell to get Alec Martinez there. He had a game the next day at noon, Dennis. Not even yep. a game 24 hours yep. later. He had a game at noon the next day to get Martinez there, to get Cliffy there. You you just could see 
I know fan bases don't want to hear this, but you could see in their eyes that uh, they miss Los Angeles. They they missed that time. It was a magical time in the lives of all of those men. And uh, you, you could see it, Dennis. You could hear it, it just sort of talking to them for a couple of minutes there that evening. Yeah, they're a band of brothers. They're always going to be connected through the championships. And Rob Scuderi did a great job as well with his speech. But yeah, this is the bond that's never going to be broken. And when they had that reunion, remember, they had a reunion down at uh, Terranea, down in the South Bay, um, uh, in the, in the, I guess in the fall. Like these guys are always going to be bonded together from those two times that Dustin raised the cup. So it's it's proper. And yeah, good on these other teams to release these players to come uh, sit with Dustin during his uh, his big time. But uh, yeah, it's something that again these guys have bonded over the years and something they'll never forget. Okay, well, Dennis, we could do two hours talking about our appreciation for Dustin Brown and what he means to the LA Kings organization. Also want to give a quick shout out to Nicole. I thought it was great. Every time I looked over at Nicole, she had the biggest grin on her face and she's a very outspoken woman, Dennis, as you know. And when Dustin lost the C and his things kind of went sour at different times, Sometimes she bit her tongue. Sometimes she didn't bite her tongue. But mm-hmm. that night, you could see on her face, it was like vindication. And she was she was feeling the love that 23 was getting and 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 deserved. And uh, it just, I, I could sense the satisfaction just off the look off of her face. Yeah, and you know the dynamic of the family. Dustin would be nowhere without Nicole. Like, she's the guiding light of the family without question. So, um, so it's good to see. And it's, yeah, it's... Look, you take pride in your husband getting that. But again, she was right there from the time they were teenagers until that moment. So she rightfully shared in that moment and was prominent in sharing it. Yeah, no doubt about it. She's been there every step of the way, uh, for sure. Absolutely. Okay, let's move on. Uh, We don't want to do the Dustin Brown tribute show just quite yet. Maybe we'll save that and do it some other day, Dennis. We're one week out or less than a week out from the NHL trade deadline. We'll get to the trade deadline. We're also going to get to the finish of the Kings road trip. Let's start by going through this road trip. Um, The Kings didn't exactly leave town on a high note. Now, sometimes when you leave town and things aren't going well, you're hoping to get out on the road and get things going in a real positive direction away from the distractions of home. Uh, The Kings didn't exactly do that. They started this road trip in Minnesota. They didn't pick up any points in the game against Minnesota. They lost that game. They came back in New Jersey, picked up one game in overtime, and then you go to the Islanders, and they picked up a 3-2 win that night. It was uh, Jonathan Quick winning that game by a score of 3-2, only having to face 18 shots. And then the Ranger game, of course, was today. The Kings were wearing their chrome buckets. Let's start with the game in Minnesota, Dennis. Um, The Kings had played Minnesota earlier in the year. It was a 7-6 game the first couple weeks of the season. Mm -hmm. Um... And you were expecting the Kings to be, or I was at least, expecting the Kings to play a tight defensive game given Todd's sort of last comments in Los Angeles about being able to hold a lead and that sort of thing. They sort of received that, but they didn't pick up any goals to to give the team any sort of an offensive chance there in Minnesota. And I believe that was the first game all year, Dennis, that they actually lost uh, in regulation when they had given up three or fewer goals. So it's just not mm-hmm. something that happened very often to the LA Kings. Their record was something ridiculous, like 19, Oh, and four or something, something like that. Um, any takeaways from the Minnesota game? Yeah, just not enough offense. They got gold a little bit. Gustafson's been really good. Um, and it's a toss up game. Cause remember, they played a seven, six game. They beat them twice this season and beat them one, nothing. And I thought it was going to be one, nothing game the other way, but just not enough. Yeah. At home. Yeah. Just not enough offense in that game. They got gold. They played, they played good enough to win, but they didn't get 
they just didn't get a break. Brian Hartman scored two goals. So it was a decent effort. And, and you know they were going to be better defensively coming off that, whatever that was against Arizona. I have no idea what that was. But um, you knew they were going to respond defensively. Just not enough goals uh, to get a win in Minnesota. Yeah. Disappointing game for sure. Uh, they were able to then go into the uh, into their next game, game two of this five-game road trip. They were able to go into New Jersey, and um, they were able to pick up at least one point. So that's building off of what, what they didn't get in Minnesota. They're able to pick up one point. New Jersey is always an interesting team, right? Because you just never know what you're going to get. What did you like or not like about that game in New Jersey? Uh, I like that they got out to a lead. Didn't like the second half of the game. Didn't like the opportunities that they gave New Jersey. But New Jersey is a tough team. And, John, they've had trouble against the Metro. It's as simple as that. They're 3-7-3 and three against the Metro team. So, for whatever reason, maybe it's the speed of the Devils. The guy like Jack Hughes and, and Dawson Mercer had a big game. And you saw And we'll get to the Ranger game as well. Uh, but uh, it's just it, they don't match up well against the Devils. Like, they didn't play well against them in Los Angeles. And, again, it's not, they had an opportunity to win up 3-2. Yeah, there's a bounce off a skate. It goes in the net, and in overtime, just Jack Hughes and Mercer took over. So, like, good enough win, uh, not a, a good enough point, not a great point because you're leading. You 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 want to close those games out, but against a team that's a really really good team in New Jersey, you, you got to be satisfied with a point. Yeah, but if memory serves me correctly, the Kings had a chance at one end before the puck went back to the other end, and, and New Jersey ended up scoring in overtime. Yeah, but that's the problem is that they, they have to. They have to close out games better. Like blowing these multi-gold leads, it's got to stop. I don't know when it's going to stop. But it needs to stop in the last 21 games of the season that they have. It's just, it's just not good enough. It's, it's, it's. There's a propensity to do it, and I don't know how they figure it out. You know, maybe it's by personnel, maybe it's by scheme, but it's just, it, it's like you saw it coming because you saw it in the Arizona game, you saw it in the Carolina game, and yeah, look, I don't think they'll need the point, John to get the playoffs. They're on track for hundred points that should get in. You watch Calgary play. I don't think they're, they're, they're getting in. And, and now Seattle's really backing up. They're taking on water as well. So I, I think it's something that you need to adjust for the playoffs, not for the regular season, but at, at some point it's got to stop. You have to be confident that when you're leading a team three, one in the third period or whatever it is, like you're late in the game that you can close those games out. Well, one of the things that Todd McClellan was critical of in that game in particular uh, was the fourth line, his uh, his fourth line on the L.A. Kings, of course. And uh, they yeah, responded in kind. They responded in kind in, in New York on Long Island. The game, uh, the Kings end up winning that game 3-2. Quite honestly, it was a game that shouldn't have even been that close. Uh, it was a tight game in the first period, and the Kings blew it open. And then again, they weren't able to just sort of uh, uh, contain that lead. I mean, I guess you could say they were able to because they ended up winning 3-2, so they didn't give away the lead or give away points and going to overtime. Um, however, that game at 3 nothing, it could have easily been put away at that point. Yeah. Uh, look, they had to win that game. That was the game on the trip because you didn't win in Minnesota and you didn't win in New Jersey. You had to get that game because you couldn't walk into New York in, in the, into Madison Square Garden 0-2-1 on that trip. At, at Barzell's out for the Islanders. They're, they're not a fast team. Uh, they play a defensive style. And when you get out to a 3 nothing lead against that team, who you know is not going to score four goals, you got to win that game. So that was the essential – that was the – at the time, that was the essential win on this trip. And then you try to go to New York uh, with a day's rest and, and try to win, but it didn't happen. Yeah, you would hope to get six points, which would be a little bit on the plus side of 500 on a five-game trip, right? 
you know, it's 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 a five game trip. It's ten points. Half would have been five. You hope to get six so that you're on the the plus side of that. Now they're playing for a five point um, potential game because they weren't able to get any points coming there out of New York. The New York Ranger game. Um, we're going to get to the Drew Doughty comments here in just a second, but the Ranger game in general. Uh, Todd's decision to go back to Jonathan Quick. Made sense to me, Dennis. He didn't get a lot of activity in the game against the Islanders. Uh, He only faced 18 shots, so he wasn't getting a lot of work. If there was ever a game that you would expect Jonathan Quick to get up for, his childhood team, the New York Rangers, he's also played some pretty big games. Now, obviously, that was against King Henrik, not against uh, this current Ranger team. But I I can see Todd working and saying, look, I'm going to try to give this guy a vote of confidence right now, and I'm going to go back-to-back with Jonathan Quick. What did you think when you saw that Quick was going to start the game? I was surprised. I was. Because if you win that game in, in New York, then you're what? You're 2-1-1, one and, one and, and and then there's less pressure to win in, in Winnipeg. But I get it. I understand it. Because that gave what? That gave that will give Copley off a week between – on uh, uh, or actually, well, one, two, three, five, four or five days off between. And John's got to play. Like, they have 21 games left. You're not going to play Phoenix Copley in 19 games. And – I know people out there saying trade for a goalie. I don't see it. So here's the question, John. It, to get to 100 points, they need to win 13 of 21. That would give them right to 100 or a combination of, of points to get there. Can Quick and Colby give them 13 wins out of eight out of 21? So I get it. I understand it. They didn't play great in front of them. Yeah, he got pulled, but I mean, this team with pucks bouncing off of people's skates and stuff, that's been a, a nasty habit the last couple of weeks as well. So I was surprised, but that's like, oh, it's not like, oh, I'm going to go second against the coach because Quick wasn't great, wound up getting pulled. I get it, I understand it, because you had to give Copley a break here because he's got to be ready to go down the stretch. He is the number one guy, and you have to have – and plus you've got to get – you're right. You know, Quick had three wins straight coming into the game. Yes. Now, one of them was in Anaheim where he wasn't, you know – he won that game, but he gave up two in the third, so – you you have to be able to John. You know it's not. I'm writing a column right now. It's coming out tomorrow. It's more about a matter of trust with this team. It's not about cost. Yeah, you can go trade for Chikrin, and you got to be able to trust the guys on the team, not the guys who aren't on the team. And you mentioned the fourth line; they weren't great defensively again. And John, this team really doesn't have a stopper line like the classic stopper line that you think. I, I think it'd be more likely Deneau's uh, line be more likely that type of candidate. But th- there's a lot of offensive players on the bottom six. They really need to be better defensively down the stretch here to win these close games. Because you know what? Guess what? There's five, four games. As we get deeper and deeper, there ain't going to be no more five, four games. And this team has a really good offense right now. But it's a matter of, of who you trust in certain situations down the stretch this for McClellan. Is the last minute of play okay, the well, look, I have a trade proposal to solve part of your need there that we're going to talk about in the third period. But on the other Beautiful. side of this break right here, I think there's more to talk about when it comes to the Ranger game because there was a little incident with Keandre Miller and Drew Doughty. Let's hear from Drew Doughty right after the break. But first, we'll head into the break with a little bit of Iggy Pop and a new song called Frenzy. I thought it was appropriate tonight, Dennis, because King's Twitter is absolutely in a frenzy. So here's Iggy Pop. We'll see you on the other side of the break.
the second period. Dennis Bernstein, everybody's in a frenzy. One of the things they're in a frenzy about at this particular moment, there was a, uh, a, a situation at Madison Square Garden earlier today. Keandre Miller, he, well, he spit in the face of Drew Doughty. Uh, and uh, after the game, I'll tell you what, let's get to after the game in a second. First, why don't we listen to some comments from Drew Doughty just to set the stage. Here's a clip of what Doughty had to say post-game about the incident. Handled a lot of different situations throughout your career. Having something like spitting happen, just what were your thoughts when it happened and, and following? I was just shocked, obviously, and then uh, I don't even know if I said anything to him after, but I just immediately went to the ref to try to get the penalty. But, uh, I mean, you don't want to see things like that in this game. I don't know if I've ever seen that. I'm sure it has happened, but not that I've seen. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate, and whether or not he meant to do it, I have no idea, but it's a pretty big leave on my face, so I was pretty pissed. It hit me in the face, yeah. yeah. No, nothing. Like, uh, he was going after Kevin, kind of, so I just, the face-off was already coming outside, so I was like, I'm going to go say something to this guy or push him or something, and before I kind of even got there, he just did that. So, yeah, unfortunate situation. All right, DB, that is what Drew Doughty had to say um, about the particular incident. Now, how about this, though? Gerard Gallant, um, he happened to share with the uh, New York media, I guess, that, he, that the kid feels bad about it. Uh, he said it was an accident. That's what that's what Gallant said uh, after the game to the media. And allegedly, Keandre Miller did meet up with Drew Doughty after the game to apologize and explain that it wasn't on purpose. Uh, Gallant was told that it was a, quote, good conversation. Now, I can't wait to hear what Drew Doughty has to say because it certainly didn't seem like an accident based upon the comments that we just heard there uh, from we used to call him young Drew, but from, from Drew and watching it live, it certainly did not seem like it was an accident. What's your take on this, Dennis, uh, accident or purposeful? How does somebody accidentally spit in your face, spit okay. on your leg, on your arm, in your face and you're how yeah. far away? Five feet, three feet, <laughs> like 18 inches, maybe. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, so that's between Drew and and Keandre. And okay. if Drew's okay with it, and then we move on. It's as simple as that. But it's it, you should be suspended for that. I think you tweeted what Garnett Hath Hathaway got suspended. Yes. So back in 2019, and this is important, at least I think, Dennis, because it's it's pre-COVID. Now I don't know if right, that makes right. a difference or not, but you know we're certainly more sensitive now to other people coughing and yes. spitting in our face. Um, yes, he received three games. So then I ask you, what's worse, spitting or biting? Now, spitting received three games. Brendan Lemieux received five games. I'm very curious to see how this is going to play out. I am, I am hopeful for the credibility of the league that uh, the apology will not be accepted as uh, you know, a reason. And to your point, we all just move on. To me, this has to be yeah. a suspension. This is absolutely disgraceful for a professional athlete to spit on another athlete. That is, it is disgusting. It is gross. Uh, I think it's worth five games. I don't think he's going to get five games, but to uh, me, I think it's worth five games. Dennis. Well, it, it doesn't mitigate the policy. Doesn't mitigate suspension. You should be, there's no place for it. it. It's you're right. It's disgusting. And I don't know why a kid who has a really good reputation in New York would, would stoop to that level. I, I don't know what happened in there. And it didn't look like there was anything going on, John. That's the other thing. It wasn't well, like there was an incident with Fiala. So, so yeah. I, I want to respond to both of the things you just yeah. said there. First of all, I want to be clear. I love Keandre Miller. I actually wrote an article a few years ago that if the Kings were ever to target uh, young players oh, around yeah. the league, it, it, and Keandre Miller was the guy that I was like, they should go all in and get him. Fantastic player. Love the player. 
Yes, he has a spotless record. This is not um, something that he has done on a frequent basis or anything like that. However, you know, you still have to take responsibility for what you've done, right? So um, while he wouldn't get extra or, you know, punitive damages for being a repeat offender, you still can't spit on somebody. That's just unacceptable. And uh, so, yeah, that's... Where do you go from here, Dennis? You're, you're going to get you're going to get a ruling, and um, you know the Kings yeah. and Rangers don't play very often. But it seemed like Kevin Fiala was doing something that was really getting under the skin uh, of Keandre Miller, at least according to Drew Doughty. And if you kind of watched the play back, uh, it, it wasn't between Doughty and Miller; it was between Fiala and Miller that really mm-hmm. started it. Yeah. Well, then give a dish out a big hit. Do something else. Don't spit. It's as simple yeah. as that. There's no, there's no room for it. It's, it's disappointing to see that, that in 2023 that, that happened. Even if it, for some reason, was accidental. Like it, it just, I'm sorry. There's accidental trips. There's a lot of things that are accidents that you have to be accountable for, and certainly this is one of them. Yeah. Uh, you, you said earlier that you didn't want to second guess the coach. Uh, we don't want to make a whole episode out of second guessing the coach, but I am curious. At the point that they replaced Jonathan Quick with Copley, was that the moment that you would have replaced Quick? Would you have replaced Quick earlier? It was 3 nothing at the time when he replaced Jonathan Quick with Copley. When would you have brought in Copley? If you would have at all. Uh, I, I, I have, what, at that point, because the momentum, what happened was like they made a bad play in the first and then got a band bounce in the second. You needed to shift the momentum. And how do NHL coaches try to shift momentum? They changed the goaltender. So I have no problem of, of the timing of it. Copy went in, fell down on that what that fourth goal, so that wasn't great either. It just it wasn't our game to win, John. I think that was it. So I have no problem when he replaced him. I get why he did it. Um, and, and I think that if Copley was really tired or fatigued, he would have told coach like I need the day, and he didn't say that. Now he's a gamer. Mm-hmm. I get that, but he hasn't played that much over his career, John. So he should be given these days off. He should have been wrestling to go back in. But I I, I think even if he was flawless. I just don't think they found a way to win that game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it is interesting. I mean, another way to change momentum would be to go out and have a fight. Uh, I mean, that's right. a little more old school, but you still see that, especially in the Eastern Conference. The Kings don't have that type of player. Although Sean Dersey did everything short of getting into a fight, he yeah. he certainly was involved in a number of different scrums throughout <laughs> the game, and uh, he was feeling New York earlier in the week. Uh, DB, I don't know if you saw the clips or not, but. Uh, he, along with Phil Deneau, uh, they had a little meet and greet with Gary Bettman in his office there uh, at one of the one of the tall buildings there in New York. Yeah, they had fun time. They were drinking coffee on the street. When I think Phil had a, a iced coffee and Jersey had a uh, a brewed coffee. So yeah, they had a good time in New York. And you know what? When you go to New York, and especially if you have a Saturday night off, John, you better have a good time. And maybe that's a reason they didn't play so good today because maybe they had too good of a time on Saturday night. It very well could be. Uh, New York's a very fun town. You and I have uh, had oh, yeah. had, a, had a few good <laughs> nights. Uh, we've enjoyed our time in New York. What about uh, back in Secaucus, New Jersey? I don't know. Is that one of your old hangs when you were in New Jersey? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I used to live in I used to live in uh, Hackensack. I lived with Stone's Throw from Secaucus. And now- just so you know, I have no idea where that is. Secaucus could have been six hours away. I have no idea where Hackensack or any of this is. When I hear Secaucus, New Jersey, of course, I think of our good friend uh, who is now with the Los Angeles Dodgers, but was previously uh, doing double duty between MLB Network and NHL Network. Uh, and of course, I'm talking about Steven Nelson. But Mike, Mikey Anderson. And Quentin Byfield, please tell me you saw the video of this. Mikey giving the chirps to yes. uh, to Byfield. Yes. They went over to the MLB studios. Did you see that? 
It's fantastic. Yes, that was great. Yeah, look, the, king, the team's being more prominent now. That's what happens, John. When your team gets better, then they want you on NHL <laughs> Network, MLB Network. Yeah, come on in. You're not a 70-point team anymore. Come on yes. down. We'll put you in the studio and have a good time. So, and they also want great. you to play in Australia and some of the other uh, NHL feature that's events true. as well. So, exactly. yes. Uh, if you didn't see the clips, go back and watch them. Mikey Anderson uh, – uh, chirping Byfield and uh, throwing some nasty curveballs there while they're playing wiffle ball. But then on by, I love on Byfield's Instagram, he only put the clip up. It was clipped just perfectly. It was the clip of basically him calling a shot and yeah. then hitting a home run over the fence. He didn't happen to put up the clip where Mikey probably put 10 balls past him without getting one over the fence. So uh, that's not how good you put up Q a hype video. You got to put up a hype video the right way, John. Come on, let's go. Yeah, I think Akil Thomas must be working with him on his Instagram exactly. because uh, Akil, Akil absolutely knows how to put Instagram pictures and videos together. So uh, fantastic stuff there. New York is behind them, though, Dennis. Uh, it is now into game five of the L.A. Kings road trip. They are headed off to Winnipeg. It's a very weird road trip. Uh, not very many road trips go Minnesota to New right. York and then to Winnipeg. But before we get to right. Winnipeg, let me just mention this, Dennis. I don't want to hear any excuses about the Kings and they're tired. They've been on the road. All of this time change. B.S., guys. They flew yeah. from Los Angeles to Minnesota, which is about halfway to New York. They stopped, they played there, they had a day off before they had to go and play in New York. They've been in New York Metro for five days in the Tri-City right. area. That's, yep. I mean, come on, man, you're adjusted. There's no jet lag, there's no time difference. They played some games, they practiced a little right. bit, they had some skates. That's not an excuse, Dennis. This is not one of those road trips yeah. where it's five games and seven nights and, you know, they're, they're dog tired. And even more so today, John, because remember, the Rangers were on a back-to-back. -back. They lost in Washington yesterday. They because lost four straight, Dennis. Yeah, because of the cap situation, they were playing with five defensemen, and then Miller got thrown out in the first period. They were playing with four defensemen. Like, so, and they had another guy on the bench they weren't playing because of they didn't want him to get hurt. Like, th that's why it's a disappointing loss, because that was a shorthanded team who wasn't playing well. And, yeah, Shosturkin was really, really good, made some big stops. But at 3-2, you can't give up those two goals. You can't. And this team, they, they still take uh, foolish penalties. I don't know how you curb that. But it, it was disappointing because that was a team that could been that could have been had at three two. You're thinking, okay, this team's tired. They're playing four defensemen. You know, take the lead, come back from a three goal deficit, and it just it, it went the other way, which was disappointing. Well, they were facing a New York Rangers team that had lost four games in a row, coming off of a back to back. They now head to Winnipeg, uh, one of the absolute coldest places on earth, in my opinion. Uh, they're playing a Jets team who has lost three straight and is four and six over their last ten games. Yep. Um, they're sitting there at 71 points after 60 games, though. They're basically about what the Kings were. The Kings are at 74 points right now after uh, 61 games, and the Kings are 5-3-2 and two over their last 10. So these are two teams that are lukewarm. Is that probably the best way to say it right now? N neither team is coming into this thing red hot. Yeah, well, Winnipeg's the combined total of goals against the last two games, Colorado and the Islanders, one goal for nine goals against. And they haven't been playing well. Uh, the fact that Cole Perfetti's out um, impacts their offense. They still have a lot of talent on the team. You know how I love Absolutely. Kyle Connor. He is an amazing player. Shifley's bounced back. Nikolai Elis is a deceptively good player. Josh Morrissey's going to be in Norris' conversation. You probably don't win it because of Carlson Will. And Hellebuck's back to being Hellebuck. So this is still a dangerous team. But you're right, John. They have not been playing well down the stretch. And it's, here's another team. The Sheffield Day Off make a move in Winnipeg to – 
maybe place a Cole Perfetti, maybe to bolster defense a little bit. So this is going to be a tough game for them, but it's a game that you want to win. You want to go home, like you said, two, two, and one. Like that, that's what you want. Now, the rest of the, the schedule lays up really, really well for them. Again, these aren't like crucial games, John, because I just, when I look at the rest of the, the conference and the division, they can win the division. They, they shouldn't be life or death to get into the playoffs at this point. When I look at Calgary, mm-hmm. John, and I chuckle every time they find a way to outshoot an opponent by 25 shots and lose games. I just don't have faith in this team. Nashville's not going to rally. So they're, I think the Kings at this point are playing more for player positioning, but you want to play well down the stretch and just go win that win, win game in Winnipeg. Cause you know, John, here's why you got to win the game in Winnipeg. Cause what happens the first game off a road trip every time they don't well, play well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right. That, so that potential, that potential right. trap game that when you ask Kopi yep. about it, he's like, trap game? What's that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kopi, and they're that's playing Montreal, <laughs> a team they should definitely beat. So that that's why the Winnipeg game is important. Because if you go lose that game and you come home after the trip, even though it, I agree with you, John, the travel isn't that big of a deal. right? And they've been – their schedule has been a lot worse earlier in the season. So that's why Winnipeg's a more important game. But they're not crucial, vital games – because I just think this team has enough juice to get to the playoffs, and now they're just playing for positioning, whether it's first in division, second or third, or maybe a wild card. Yeah, you you really, um, although you know the overall season records are there to look at, you really want to look at a team more or less over the last five or ten games in the NHL. It'll give you a better read on the team. <laughs> no different right. than the LA Kings. Uh, I mean, just go back to that Buffalo game that they lost where they gave up six goals in the third period. They have the number one record in the Western Conference. At least they did coming into the game against the Rangers mm-hmm. today. The number one record in the Western Conference and fourth best overall um, in the NHL, Dennis. They were 18-7-3, I believe, yeah. this morning coming into the game, which, again, was tops in the Western Conference. So that is different than if you look at the overall ranking of how the Kings have done because yeah. uh, earlier in the year they weren't doing that. So I say all that is sort of a setup. I don't have the last uh, five games or 10 games at home, for example, with Winnipeg. I know overall I gave you their four and six, but at home on the season, they are 20 and 10. So they do win the majority of their games at home. They're a 500 club on the road and the Kings are a 500 club essentially uh, out there on the road as well. So you, you know, they're going into Winnipeg into a building that it's, it's not impossible to win in, but it certainly isn't easy because this is a team that wins two thirds of the games that they play on home ice there in Manitoba. Yeah, I believe well, they won their last season, but again, this is a different Jets team. This is a better Jet team without question. They've responded to Ricky Bonus, but uh, it'd be nice to walk away with some points, come home, and then again, most of the schedule home games. And this is the one thing about this team, they have played better at home. And to me, John, going back to that Arizona, uh, Anaheim, the, like playoff teams, they get four points off those games, and that's what that yes. team did. And, and I and I get it that that <laughs> that Arizona game was brutal to watch and brutal collapse. I get that. But really good teams walked away with four points, and that's what about impresses me about this team. When they really have to win a game, like in, on the island, they won that game. So this is not a must-win to win a pick, but it would be really nice to end the trip, like I said, on 2-2-1. Two, two, well, we're going to do a lot of trade deadline talk in the third period. Heading into the trade deadline, the Kings do have two games remaining. The game we just mentioned, uh, which is coming up on Tuesday at Winnipeg. Thursday on trade deadline eve, that's the home game against Montreal. And then from there, they do get the St. Louis Blues at home. They get the Washington Capitals at home. And then they're back out on the road for a quick game against Colorado. Uh, and then they come back home and they get Nashville, the Islanders, Columbus, and Vancouver and Calgary and Winnipeg. Uh, it's, it's quite the stretch there of home games. So yeah. while they were barely ever home in the month of February, they're home yeah. pretty much the entire month of March, Dennis. 
Yeah, there's one big trip left. Uh, Western Canada at the end of and, and Seattle at the end of March. But John, you mentioned you listed off those games. That's a lot of winnable games. Let's be real here. Those are games the majority of them they should win without question. They're inferior opponents. Most of them are out of the playoffs or on the cusp of the playoffs. They should be they should be piling up points um, in March without question because the schedule really favors them. Well, that's the whole thing, Dennis, is regardless of what happens on this road trip, if they can pick up eight wins out of 10 games uh, there to begin March, you know, they're really then clawing yeah. at that first place in the Pacific Division like you've been talking about. And and then, you you know, you, you take on those final sort of 10 games of the year, uh, which majority of them, I think, would take place in April because the season does run. It feels like a couple days longer this year. It goes into, uh, I think the last game is April 13th, Dennis, uh, at Anaheim, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, so correct. So they have, like you said, plenty of winnable games there. Um, playing against Winnipeg, though, that is a team that has responded to the coaching change, like you talked about. Montreal has not necessarily responded to uh, what's been going on up there. Uh, any thoughts? I know you're on Montreal radio quite a bit, but any thoughts yeah. about Montreal before we move on to the third period and and really get into the trade deadline talk? You know, they were played in Carolina when I went down to see the, the stadium series game, and they played that Thursday to Habs. The, the list of injured players took up too much space on just one board. They had to go to a second. I think it was 11. Like, Cole Caulfield's out. Uh, Arbor Jack guy has been really good on the blue line. He's hurt. There's a lot of guys hurt. They just traded the Don off um, a game. That, that's a game they should win. They should score five goals on that team, even with a really good performance from either Jake Allen or Ball. It seems not very good defensively. They can score some goals, but that's a game that, you know, through 60 minutes, you should win that game pretty convincingly. But again, it's the first home game after a road trip, so there's a little caveat there. Absolutely. Well, Dennis, look, uh, the Kings during this road trip, they did play in New Jersey. There's a uh, pretty good band uh, from New Jersey called the Bouncing Souls, and I'm getting ready to see here in a couple of weeks. We have them teed up for the uh, intermission here. So both, two of the three bands on today's program uh, I'm going to be seeing very soon. I saw, I'm saw i getting ready to see Iggy Pop in Vegas. He's oh, playing uh, with Duff McKagan. They're doing a show at the Pearl, one of my favorite venues, which is at the Palms. Yep. Uh, yeah. in Las Vegas. That's coming up at the end of April. But before that, coming up uh, at the end of March is going to be Punk in the Park up in Ventura, the old location where they had Warp Tour. And uh, Pennywise is headlining, but you do have the Bouncing Souls that'll be playing. And so let's listen to a brand new track from the Bouncing Souls. We'll come back on the other side, DB, and we will talk trade deadline. Everybody wants to talk trades. Let's talk it in the third period. back to the third period of kings of the podcast with db and the mayor welcome back third period trade deadline hot stove i don't know what we're supposed to call this thing dennis uh, every everybody has a name uh for for their yeah. trade show this trade is this is the yeah, exactly. trade center yeah whatever it is this is this is the trade line uh we're not taking phone calls today um 
But Dennis, there have been a number of trades just in the last 24 to 48 hours. And who knows, the Kings are probably making a trade while we're recording this on Sunday evening. Uh, the latest to make a trade, I believe, was the Nashville Predators making a trade with the Philadelphia Flyers. But earlier tonight, you also had a trade between the Tampa Bay Lightning, who traded a first, a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth. I don't know why they didn't just throw in a sixth and a seventh and just run the table <laughs> with the whole thing just on principle alone. But uh, Tampa Bay picks up a player. The more interesting thing to me was uh, a tweet that went out tonight. Mike Greer, of course, the first year GM of the San Jose Sharks. This is his first year, right? We're all caught yes, in a time correct. warp. Yep. Yeah, coming he, out of COVID. We met him at the draft in Montreal. Yes. Okay. Just- year one, uh, Mike Greer is a GM, former NHL player. On Carlson, he was quoted as saying, quote, at this time, I'm anticipating that he's here for the rest of the season. Um, that's a pretty interesting quote because as of two weeks ago, I think there would have been a lot of money laid down that Carlson was on his way out of San Jose. Interesting quote. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. It's You need a third team in, right? Because he has to, A, want to move to a contender so you have to pick the right team and it's got to be because at 11 million or whatever the cap hit is even at half retention i don't think a lot of these teams could fit them in maybe they could so i I didn't expect that to be in season john they talked about and they talk about edmonton i think the last thing they need is another offensive defenseman in edmonton they need a defensive defenseman. if you watch them play against columbus the other night uh so i'm not surprised it didn't happen i wouldn't be shocked if it happened in the off season though because he wants to win, and they are far away from winning in San Jose. And I think that's the overriding factor in this, is that he does want to go to a contender. So if they can find a way to do it, probably three-way deal. Um, I, I think he could be in a different uniform come the fall. Well, how about this, Dennis? Um, I'm not advocating for trading Alex Iofalo. I don't think the Kings need to move him. However, looking at what Tampa paid to get uh, to get that player out of Nashville, a first in 2025. By the way, I think that's the first draft pick from 2025 that's been traded, uh, at Probably. least that I'm aware of. Uh, that So a first rounder in 2025, plus a second rounder next year in 2024, and then a third, fourth, and fifth this year. The player mm-hmm. comps pretty close to Alex Iofalo in many ways. Um, if you can get a first, a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth for Alex Iafalo. It might not be the end of the world right now, DB. It, it wouldn't be. Now, Rob's saying that, uh, you know, he likes his forward group. He's not taking anybody off the team. But that's an impressive haul for for Nashville. That's what they need to do. And and Tampa, look, John, here's what I got to say. Look, you look at Tampa, okay? Next three years, no first-round picks, one second-round pick, and two third-round picks. So you have to believe that Tanner Joe is the guy that's going to put you over this year. Like because you moved all that, all those assets, and they've done it before, John, and it's worked, right? They've won cups before, and they traded for Hagel last year, didn't work out, Nick Paul, but they're willing to do it, and uh, it, it's kind of stunning when you look at that. And I agree with you. If you could get five assets for one player who's a middle six player, would you do it? Of course you would do it. Um, it was just, uh, but it's not surprising, John, because it's Tampa. They always do this. They they find a guy, they target a guy, and he usually helps them win a playoff round or two. Yeah, I was saying that tongue in cheek. So people, you don't yeah. need to tweet me. Um, yeah. If anything, if anything, at the beginning of the year, I was trying to explain to our listeners and readers on Twitter and whatnot that the reason the Kings wouldn't be entertaining trading Alex Iafalo is for depth purposes if there were injuries. And Dennis, guess what? This year there were injuries and Alex Iafalo was needed. And there were other injuries as well um, that, that played into all of this. And Velarde has missed time and Trevor Moore is now still day-to-day. So um, the Kings, while they have depth, as Blake mentioned recently, Mm -hmm. the group hasn't spent a lot of time together 
as a hundred right. as a 100 healthy group so that's another factor not making excuses for the king's poor play at times of late um but they have not been a complete team uh there there have been guys and even key guys out of the lineup this year dennis yeah and i think the one thing john you might want to look at down the stretch here before friday is is the is the trevor moore injury like he's missed 17 i think of 17 to 22 games they might sniff around for a middle six guy if 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 what's going on with Trevor is going to be a little bit more lasting. Um, that's the one thing I would look at. But look, they have been banged up and they haven't had a lot of chemistry. They haven't had a lot of time, a lot of practice time, John. So that's I think when you look at that that forward combination, I think there's certainly enough talent on this team. Like this team offensively, John, the the third ranked power play in the league. This team, no, come on, you're kidding. I just woke up and in 1987 or whatever. So I think that's, uh, so I wouldn't, maybe one depth ad, but it would be something on on a really small uh, scale. I'm going to give you a depth ad in just a second, but you you, you keep saying things that are making me want to respond to them. How about this? You want, you want a stat? You talk about this, this killer power play that the Kings have had this year, right? And Jim Hiller coming in really reworking things. Tip of the cap to Jim Miller uh, for Jim, (laughs) Jim Hiller for coming in. Yeah, Jim Miller. Jim Jim Miller is a fighter in the UFC, Dennis. I'm I'm mixing everything up here. I've been hitting the head too many times. Uh, Jim Hiller fixing the Kings power play. But check this. I have a stat for you, Dennis. Here we go, John. Give it to me. Eight goals on the season. Arthur Kaliev. Eight power play goals, excuse me, on the season. That is second on the team in power play goals. And check this out. He has played 40 NHL games this season. You have guys like Kevin Fiala who have played 60. Kopitar. Uh, you have Fiala. Uh, you have four guys, Deneau, Kopitar, Fiala. I said Fiala already. Uh, Kempe, I believe. Yeah. They've played 60 games this year. Young Arthur has played 40 games, and he's second on this team with power play goals. Just imagine if he was healthy, Dennis. Just imagine. Think about it. And the one structural change they've made, and I know others have been calling for this, getting Kopi off the uh, half wall and putting him in the middle of the ice, it's been a game changer, Like the, especially the last couple of weeks. He's in front of the net. He's he's smart enough and strong enough to get in there and stick his nose in, and it's been a it's been a game changer for. And look, Jersey's been great. There's a lot of reasons why because this team has matured, and you get younger players who have talent and skill in the lineup, and you allow them correctly do it. But that 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 shift to put Kobe in the bumper spot, I think it's really it's really helped this power play. But still, third overall, that's a that's a stunning number at any point in the season. Former NHL coach that I speak to. Uh on occasion to sort of gather context and insight has been screaming to move Kopitar off the half wall for, I think about four years now. So uh, he's, he's probably happy. He probably texted Jim Hiller as well. Who knows? Maybe (laughs) even texted Jim Hiller, uh, Jim Miller before his last fight. Um, Here's the trade though, Dennis, the the Kings are most likely not getting Chikrin and that should not come as a shock and a surprise to anybody here. It's been covered to death on Kings of the podcast. I also have an article up on Mayor's Manor that I did a couple weeks ago that explains why they're out. If you just look at what the ask is and you look at what the return is that uh, that they're looking for there in Arizona, and then you take Byfield out of the mix and you take Clark out of the mix and you most likely take the 2023 first rounder out of the mix, it's really hard for L.A. to put a deal together. So is L.A. interested in Chikrin? Absolutely. Would they like to put a package together that Arizona would accept? Absolutely. However... Arizona doesn't seem to be content to lower their price to a reasonable level. And so Rob Blake's going to hold firm is what it seems like. I would be shocked. It would be the shocker of all shockers if he ends up paying the price and doing a deal uh, sometime in the next five days. Um, But, you know, stranger things have happened. But here's a more realistic deal that I think you could look at. 
Um, sure. Indications are, and talking to some sources here over the last 24, 48 hours, that the Blackhawks are looking to package Sam Lafferty and a deal with Jake McCabe. Now, of course, the Kings have been connected to Jake McCabe before. Mm-hmm. One of the yeah. concerns with, or not really a concern, but one of the issues with McCabe is that the Kings are, because of the high prices that are going on around the NHL right now, we just talked a moment ago about that, um, the Kings were looking to do more of uh, sort of short-term, uh, you know, shoring up you know adding a little bit Mm -hmm. of depth but not with a lot of term in other words give the team a lot of flexibility this summer because we know that they're going to have to move some pieces around this summer you could potentially see victor arvidson leaving you could potentially see one of the three d over on the right hand side uh leaving between walker and dersey and roy and all that stuff just to try to make room for uh jordan spence and and or to make room for brant clark so there's a lot of roster maneuvering that's going to have to be done over the summer plus the goaltending situation that's going to have to be addressed with Jonathan Quick going into unrestricted free agency. So a lot to do in the summer. And as you mentioned, Rob doesn't want to really take away from this team, so he wants to add to this team. Uh, But in Jake McCabe, you're getting a player who has two more years left on his contract. It's a $4 million cap hit Mm -hmm. uh, playing there on the left-hand side. Now, the reason that I mentioned this deal is that to drive up the price of McCabe – Kyle Richardson, the GM of the Blackhawks, is said to be uh, wanting to include Sam Lafferty in a deal, from what I'm hearing, to try to uh, drive that price up, increase that price uh, by by putting a package together. Now, could the Kings and would the Kings be interested in that package? And I would say yes, because you would think that they'd be looking for some help in that bottom six, like you talked about, and a center, Dennis, because... Yes, they have on paper a lot of centers, but they don't want to move Velarde back to center. They don't want to move Jad uh, back over to center. So, And if they keep QB up on the wing, which I also listened to the comments from Kopitar after the game with the Rangers today, and he was repeating a lot of the things that you and I have been saying, which is that, look, if you just look at the box score, you're not going to see an improved Quentin Byfield because he's not getting points coming off of his stick necessarily, right? He's not getting mm-hmm. assists. He's not getting goals. However. If you talk to Kempe and if you talk to Kopitar they'll and Todd McClellan, for that matter, they'll all tell you they like his play of late. And as Todd said tonight after the game, you have to look at them as a unit. And if you look at that line, that line is has been highly productive over the last couple of weeks. So if you leave QB up there, what are you going to do for a third and a fourth C? I think, Dennis, ideally, you want to get Lazat moved back down to the fourth line. Todd's been, he's been critical of that fourth line recently. Kapari yeah. is one player that you can I send back so. You can send yep. you can send Kapari back to the American League. You let Lazat slide down to the four C, where he's probably better suited. So now who's going to play three C? Well, you could get Sam Lafferty in there. He has ten goals this season. He has twenty one points. He you know he's not setting the world on fire for those people that are wanting to draft him in their fantasy pool. But he could be exactly what they're looking for as a bottom six center who can give them a little bit of depth. You know, you look at Lazat. He has twenty eight points in sixty games. Uh, in, in, in Lafferty, you're talking about a player who has 50 something, uh, excuse me, 20 points in, in 50 something games. So there's a little bit of a comp there, but bigger player, which they also like on the third line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think the fourth line, some nights they're not good defensively and Raz he's fast. He's got potential. I don't know if he's a center in this league, but you're right. I, I think that they would need help. They need a stopper. They, they need another better defensive center if you're gonna you're gonna play close games john like the down the stretch even the teams that you should be beating there's no walkovers this team i don't think is at a point where they can just impose their will on certain teams uh and then you get to the playoffs so yeah i agree i i think that when and with quentin here's the thing 
I know he does the little, he's doing the little things. But when you invest that much time on the top line, he's got to start doing big things. Seven goals in 70 games, that's not good enough for me. Like, mm-hmm. he's, he's got to start, and not tomorrow, but he's got to start paying back that investment because they've invested a lot in this player. They believe in him. They're giving him top top six minutes. Like, And I get it. Like, yes, his, his, he's not making these glaring mistakes that you saw maybe in game 20. But now, come on, it's 16, 17 minutes a night, you got to do something other than being a ferocious forechecker, which he really isn't. So it's going to be interesting. I, I think they could add forwards. Um, one forward, and I agree with you. It would be more on the defensive side on the bottom six, certainly not top six. So I'll agree with you, Dennis, but then I just, I would ask, what do you do with QB for the balance of the year? Do you leave him as a winger or do you move him to a center in the third or fourth line? I'm I'm okay. Yeah, no, I'm okay still investing the time on top six as a left wing. I'll worry about that in the offseason. Yeah, no question. So so if you leave him, if you leave him as a wing and you want to shore things up on this team, you're now looking at the bottom six and you most likely are looking at a center position because they just don't have somebody to 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 plug in there right now who is correct. And you talked earlier about like a stopper line. Right. And while Todd talks about wanting to roll four lines, one of the things that made that fourth line great when Lazat was there is they were almost like an energy line and a stopper mm-hmm. line combined. It was almost like this new hybrid type of line. Right. And so yeah. you get Jad, you get Lazat, you have Grunstrom playing on that line. Kaliev is slotted in there when, uh, you know, he's obviously getting power play time as well. So it's not a traditional fourth line. You can, you can put Lemieux in there when you need to, but that third line, if you could add somebody, I think there could be something here. Now, would the Kings be willing to go with the first round pick? I don't think a first round pick is something the Kings would pay for that deal, but could they move a second and a third? Absolutely. Could they move a second and a prospect? Absolutely. What would somebody else be willing to pay? Don't know, but I think there's something there, Dennis, that the Kings could potentially, uh, they could work a deal with Chicago is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think, it, again, I mentioned this trust thing. I think it, you look at the bottom six, and then you look at, even at the bottom four, like defense. Like, who are you going to trust in a 3-2 game with a minute to go and you're taking a face-off in your own zone? Like, you're probably putting Phil out there. Arverton's pretty responsible defensively, but there, there are guys on each line who aren't the greatest defensive players. So maybe you do want one more defensive player because you could see the issue with protecting leads and and – just uh, and some nights you're right. Some nights the fourth line's really good and like wow, okay. Like Raz looks great coming off the wing and makes a great feed the other night for a goal uh, to Kaliev. I saw other nights like they get overrun and it's and, and that could cost them games. It could definitely cost them games in the playoffs. So as an insurance policy, yeah. But how much do you want to pay for that insurance policy, John? And I agree with you. First round pick for an insurance policy when you know you're probably making the playoffs. Uh, it, it, that asset is better used somewhere else, probably in the offseason. Yeah, totally, which is why I don't think that they would use a first-round pick in this no, deal, regardless of what the asking surprised. price might be. It's not right. what the Kings would be interested in. You're getting a six-foot-one six player back, though, in Sam Lafferty if you were able to make this deal. He's also uh, under contract for one more year, low cap hit this year and next year, only at $1.15 million. He's coming off of a season that's going to be a career year for him. So, to me, if it doesn't work out in Los Angeles, you know, if you only yeah. used him as a rental, let's say, it, he sure. would seem to be a player easy enough that you would be able to flip in the offseason if you needed to because the contract is reasonable at 1.1, and, uh, and it's only for one year, so it would be a pretty easy contract to move. And if you if you like what you see, it's a nice depth player to have in the organization yeah. as well. So a uh, little downside. And in McCabe, what you're getting is you're getting a player who has a couple years left on his deal at $4 million, mm-hmm. and so you are picking up that left D. It might not be the yeah. left D that you wanted, but you are getting more than just a rental and you're getting somebody on a pretty reasonable contract. Yeah. 
And with respect to the lefty, John, you actually might need, as bad as it might sound, you might need two lefties because Edler's going to, this is probably for Edler. I still see Dursey as a right defenseman. Yes, he Beyond is. Foot, Beyond Foot is a bottom pair guy. And Moveri is uh, 70. So you actually might need two. So, but that would, would that shore up the D? Would that make him better tomorrow if they traded for Jake McCabe? Yeah, 100% they would. And back to Chicken for a second. Like two firsts and a top prospect for, for that guy? As much as I say, go get that guy. No, sorry. He's not worth it. He's not worth that much. He, he's just not. Because he on a championship team, he's probably a three. And you wouldn't trade two first-round picks and a legit prospect for a three defenseman. He, he's, he's just not that guy. Would I want him? Yeah. But I, So, look, I get what Armstrong's doing. Because the team stinks. They play in front of 5,000 people a night. Like, hold the line. And I get what Rob's doing. That is too much. That is too expensive. And maybe you can get a good – and he's not, John, he's not the only option that would improve the left side. If he was like, okay, this is the guy, you get him, you're winning a cup, I get it, pay the price. But there are other guys available in this league, like Provorov, like Ekholm, because now all of a sudden Nashville is selling. There are guys in the offseason that can improve that left side. So I get Rob holding the line. As much as I'd like to see Chicken here, because I think it would be a no-brainer, I get why the pushback is, because I just don't think he's worth that price. Well, and, and you bring up something right there that, that I don't think, uh, the frenzy that we talked about earlier, I don't think that the, that the hockey fan, the average hockey fan is thinking about. It's very much a live in the moment, satisfy me right now type situation. The Kings are trying to balance the summer trades as much as they're trying to balance the trade deadline. And NHL GMs in general, over time, have proven that they overpay at the trade deadline. So as much as you want the Kings to improve the club at the trade deadline, the real way that you improve your club, the most efficient way from an asset management perspective is over the summer, Dennis. So Mm -hmm. back to the point of, look, can you go out and can you get a Stetcher type deal done and get a little bit of extra help, get a little bit of depth? Yes, it's not going to cost you very much, but it, it protects your assets like your first round picks to be able to make a bigger splash and do something bigger in the summer. That's great. They do need something, though, Dennis. And this club, they've earned it. You know, we talk sometimes yeah. about have have the players earned the right to get some extra oomph? Yes, they have. Mm-hmm. This club yeah. has battled through. They had a, a rough start to the year. They've shown at different times that they are much better than most people give them credit for. Look at the mm-hmm. record that we just talked about since the middle of December yeah. until now. Yeah. Number one in the Western Conference. Look at the fact, Dennis, that they can still have a pretty disappointing road trip and could still have the potential to go on a tear in March yeah. and finish first place in the Pacific Division. This is not a club historically, Dennis, that's won the division very many times. We're talking about right. 1991. Right, they've never won the Pacific since it's been yeah, the so, uh, You know, if this is a team that has earned the right to get some extra help, yeah. they have. And so I think the pressure is on Rob right now to be able to go out and do that. Now, from a, from a yeah. goaltending perspective, Dennis, I also don't think that they're going to go out and get a goaltender. I think it would almost have to be a dumpster dive type situation. I can't see them making a big move on a goalie in season because of how difficult it would be. If they're going to do it in the offseason, that's one thing. But I just don't think that it's something they're looking to do right now. I'd be pretty surprised, Dennis. Yeah, and like there was a guy responding to me on Twitter because I said, look, do they need to make a trade? And oh, goaltender. And they rattle a five minute. Like Demko, who's hurt, who's won three games this year. You're not trading for him in season. John Gibson. Uh, are the Ducks really going to trade go- John Gibson to the Los Angeles at a $6 million cap hit? And like Cam Talbot, who has been hurt. Uh, the only guy, you talk about dumps, the only guy I would see. And again, what are you doing with three healthy goals? You're trading for a fourth. 
would be a guy like Corpusalo in Columbus. It's the only guy that kind of makes sense. He's unrestricted at the end of the season. But, John, then what do you do? Like, do you really carry three goaltenders? Is that what you're going to do? Like, really? When you when you might have some injury factors at the end, maybe when they expand rosters? I, I don't see it either. The, here's the thing, John. You can fix the lefty right now in the moment by yes. this trade deadline. Yes. You can't fix the goaltending. Like, you can't, mm-hmm. like, you got to ride Copley and hope Quick plays a, a, a couple of good games down the stretch. And that's it. Then address it. Like, this is not, like, the good thing about the road trip, John, they didn't go 0-4. And, and then Rob would have to panic because the team, like, like I'll give you an example, Washington. Washington mm-hmm. lost 6th Street, and out of nowhere, they trade Dmitry Olof. Rob doesn't have to do that. Like, this team has played well enough where the bottom hasn't fallen out, and I got to make a panic move to shore up this team. Yes, they would like some help. Yes, they earned the help. But it's very, very different. So I, I just, I, I just, I can't see Copley healthy, Quick healthy, Peterson trying to get back, and now you add a fourth guy to the mix when they're a hundred point team. John, I, I get it. Oh, well, they can't win a cup with this goaltending. Well, they can't win a cup. Period with this roster right now. It's not, it's not there yet. So I, I don't get the goaltending. But I, still, I Dennis, you're telling me they go out and get any of those goaltenders, and you're telling me now they're a Stanley Cup contender? Any of those names that you mentioned. I don't even know if they're improved. <laughs> that yeah, doesn't tell me that that team's a Stanley yeah. Cup contender. And I, that was my question. Like, what guy can you add goaltending-wise that, lock, without question, is going to improve your team? Who's available and affordable? Like, right okay. now. Like, what's Well, hold on. I can't tell you that he's the guy that's going to put you over the top, but I can tell you he's significantly better than any of the names you mentioned, and I think there's a very interesting situation developing. The Nashville Predators are probably going to sell. So is Soros available? And here's the bigger question, Dennis, because now David uh, Poley announced that he's retiring. Barry Trotz is taking over. So does does Poles make the final moves on the team and make them now, and and then he leaves a a cupboard of prospects? For, for trots mm-hmm. or does ownership say, Hey, look, man, you're retiring at the end of the year. We know that we have a shit yeah. show on our hands. Let's just wait yeah. till the end of the season. Barry trots is going to come in and we're going to let him reassess and determine what's going to happen. I think this week is going to be very, very interesting in Nashville. Yeah. Well, they're moving guys out, but that, look what they would tell you Like, so yeah, could, could they trade? I, look, you need some players on the team. You got to still draw. So like, that would be a, that would be a huge move. And, yeah, you're right. To question, can that huge move with a guy going out the door be made before the summertime? I don't really know. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, Very, very interesting. Uh, Dennis, we're going to wrap up this program. We've done three periods here tonight. We've covered uh, the road trip that has already been. We've covered a preview of the road trip that will end on Tuesday as well as coming home and facing Montreal on Thursday. <laughs> Always a good time. I'm sure that uh, uh, Bergevin will be uh, – Decked to the oh, nines. Yeah. Boy, he has some oh, very sure. interesting suits. Very underrated suits, by the way. Uh, I know that Daryl oh, Evans yeah. gets all the hype in L.A., but uh, he's, he's a very sharp-looking uh, uh, dresser, well, if you will, Dennis. Montreal are known for their tailors. You know, when you guys go get custom suits, I even think Daryl's is, is from, from Mon- Montreal. So, yes, uh, he's a very dapper guy, that, that Bergevin. He's probably helping Rob out. Oh, by the way, John, it's the sesquicentennial. Sesquiz- is 150. <laughs> thank you for up. looking that up. I, I was going to have to do that after the program. So it's thank you for looking spelling. that up. Exactly. 150 episodes of Kings of the Podcast in the books. DB, thank you for all of the disagreements, all of the wonderful <laughs> chats, all of the text messages, all yes. of the uh, good times that you and I have had. I, I thoroughly enjoy it. Look forward to another 150 episodes more together. Amen, John. All right. Have a great week, everybody. We'll be back soon. We'll talk after the trade deadline. We'll break down what the Kings do or don't do. 